0: This is the so worth it podcast, a place where we're talking about growing a business while raising a family, not to mention all of the crazy fun and hard stuff that comes with it. I'm sure I don't have to tell you none of it's easy, but it is so worth it. If that sounds like your sort of thing, stick around. I'm your host, Jackie Ellis. Welcome to the show. So recently I recorded an episode that was about the processes that we use for onboarding our team. And it got me thinking because I mentioned something about how to hire like amazing team members and oh my gosh, this has been such a struggle for me over the years from when I worked my nine to five and I was responsible for hiring people at the health club to having my own business and growing my team and finding people that that you think would be a good fit you know that are rock stars that know how to get the job done but are also feel like a good fit for your business culture right so today i want to talk a little bit about some of the unexpected things maybe that i look for or what my opinion is about finding the right people. And I have a feeling is not what you think. And it's taken me a little while to get here, but I want to start with something that one of my mentors shared years ago. And that is how he ends an interview, right? Now I used to follow a script that he shared with me about questions that he asks on an interview. And I actually, now that I think about it, I actually haven't used this script for several years. I used to at the health club and I got a lot of raised eyebrows for the questions that I asked, which I kind of get a kick out of, honestly. So I'll just share with you a couple examples of questions and then then I'll tell you how he wraps up his interview because it's kind of interesting. So some of the questions, let me see if I can remember there were probably like 20 questions and I will tell you right now that hardly any of them had anything to do with the specific skills or the specific job that you're interviewing for. It would be questions about like, tell me about your morning routine. Tell me what the last book that you read was. Tell me someone about someone that you look up to and why. Okay. When I first saw these questions, I was like, well, how is this, you know, I think just like anyone would think, how is this related to the job that you're interviewing for? But what I started to realize about these questions and the answers that I would get, like I I trusted in this process because I trusted that my mentor knew what he was doing, right? And so I used this, uh, these questions and the responses that I would get told me exactly why he chose these questions. When I would get responses to what you're like, tell me about your morning routine. Like I would, I would have people say things like, I don't know. I, I wake up, you know, at 10 and then, you know, I might, I probably brush my teeth, you know, and it's like, okay, that's great. And then you get a response like, Every morning I like to get up early because, you know, I, I start the day early and I like to, you know, journal or read the Bible or reflect with a cup of coffee or have some quiet time or, and, and just to be clear here, I'm not saying that one response, like, like there are good and bad things to do in the morning, right? I'm not saying that journaling or reading the Bible is better than getting up and brushing your teeth, but the thought that goes into it, the thought that goes into the response, as well as the thought and intention that goes into someone the way that they start their day that's what was so interesting to me. When it came to what's the last book that you read, I would get a lot of exp- uh, responses. Well, you know, when I worked at the health club, uh, we would interview a lot of college kids, right? And I would get a lot of responses that it would be like a book for school or that they read a lot of books for school so they don't read any books on their own, right? Contrast that with someone who reads for enjoyment or reads to further their own curiosity, you know, to satisfy their own curiosity, right? It's different. It's a different person, you know? I don't even care what the book is. but I want to know that someone that I'm looking at bringing onto my team has curiosity, wants to further their education. I don't care. I don't really care if it's about, you know, notebook doodling, you know, the cutesy little lettering and stuff like that, or if it's about cooking or if it's about investing, I don't really care what it is. But when I saw these different responses It was clear to me that what I was actually looking for was the person's character, right? Not necessarily the skills. I wanted to peel back the curtain and see what kind of person would I be bringing onto my team. So let me tell you what my mentor, how he said that he wrapped up his interviews because I think it's really funny. So he said, great. You know, you wrap up your interview, you shake hands, you say, you know, it was nice to meet you. We'll be in touch, whatever. And then he would say, let me walk you to your car. And at first I was like, well, that's a nice thing to do. That's generous, chivalrous almost, right? But he said he had an ulterior motive. And this was, he would walk them to their car so that he could see what the inside of their car looked like, because he felt like that was a dead giveaway to their character in terms of how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? So I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I think that there is some truth to that. You know, it's, it's hard to, it would h- be hard for me to hire an assistant, for example, that needs to help keep me organized if they can't be organized themselves, right? So now I run a remote business everyone on my team is remote working from home in different different states even sometimes different countries i can't walk them to their car when i'm interviewing them it makes it you know a little bit more challenging but if you run a brick and mortar business that might be something that you try to implement i i wonder what it would tell you about someone right so what i realized from this interview process way back like I said, was that I wasn't actually interviewing for skills. I started interviewing for character, for values, for personality, but mostly character. And what I realized was the skills were really the only thing that I had to bring to the table, right? Not the only thing. I I think that my my team culture, my company culture, like it's a good I think it's a good culture, I guess. I think that we're supportive. I think that we have opportunities to offer people that we can further develop people's, you know, personal development, skill development, that sort of thing. It's not like skills are the only thing that we have to offer, but I will say this. I can't nor do I want to invest in necessarily making someone the type of person that I want them to be. I don't think that's fair, right? To try and change someone as a person, but I can further their skills. I want to work with people who are fundamentally good people. Now on my team, we have what we call a servant style of, of leadership which is really funny because I just hired someone on my team who said that in the interview and I almost fell out of my chair because I've hardly ever heard of anyone else referring to servant leadership. But where in this style of leadership, I essentially believe that I am here to serve my team and that my team is here to serve our clients. I'm here to serve our clients too. But but that it's not the other way around. I think a lot of organizations believe that their team works for them. Sure, sure. My team, I hired my team. I hired the people that work for me, but really I work for them. I'm here to make sure that they have all of the tools that they need in order to get the job done. And we're here for one common purpose, right? To help achieve the goals of our clients, but I'm serving them right so i believe on our team that we are real people serving real people right our cu- our clients our customers they are not numbers in a spreadsheet they are people my team is not a number on the payroll they are real people with real families and real goals and hopes and dreams and i want to bring people on to my team that believe that too that would treat one another as real people that want to be a part of something bigger right We believe in freedom. We believe in creating more financial freedom, time freedom, freedom in beliefs, freedom in expression, right? And I look for people to bring onto my team who have um, that value as well. I'm looking for the type of person who is a figure-it-outer. I don't care necessarily that they have figured out a specific skill I want to know just that they are capable of figuring it out, right? I Google a lot of things. I don't know everything. I don't expect my team to know everything, but I expect that they have the willingness and desire to figure it out. I want to bring people onto my team who don't stop because they hit a roadblock. I want to see things or hear things them say things that make me believe that they would not give up until they got the results that they wanted. I want thinkers, analyzers, creative people, people willing to step outside and and think outside of the box to create unique and innovative strategies and work. I want someone willing to step up and be world-class. Because on my team, we offer world-class service, right? And that means sometimes going, taking the extra step, going the extra mile. I think maybe this is one of the tells that you could tell maybe by looking inside someone's car. I will tell you, I don't think someone would look inside my car and necessarily think that it's world-class, Maybe A, because I drive a minivan, <laughs> but that's something that I definitely strive for. It's something that I think about. And and if I, you know, peeked inside someone's car and, and it looked like a pigsty, I wouldn't necessarily think that they are holding themselves to that world-class standard. And here's the thing about that. Just a little side note. It's not, you know... playing world-class, being world-class, playing at a world-class level, it's not something that I always thought about. Now that it's on my brain, I think about elevating things in my life to world-class, right? I think about keeping my car clean because that would be world-class. I think about the way that I communicate with my clients as being world-class. And that is something that could be coached to members of my team. But I want to see that they have the capability in some aspect of their life, or the desire to step into world class, right? I look for people that say things that make me believe that they believe it's possible to do big things, to help people in big ways. So basically, it's not about the resume. It's not about the skills. It's not about the education. I could probably teach any, anyone, (laughs) don't hold me to this, but I could probably teach anyone to do many of the things that we do on the team, right? We have processes, we have systems, we have, you know, SOPs that if you go by by step-by-step, you could probably figure it out for a lot of the things that we do every day. I could teach that but I can't teach someone to be a good person. I can't force someone to have similar values to the values that we have on our team or, or to mine. I can't force someone to have these beliefs or be a certain way. And so it's important to me that when I interview people, I, I, ask them questions that give me insights to these things. I'm not asking them, do you have experience with Google drive? I can teach you that, right? I want to know more about them as a person, their, their character, their values. Do they have a moral compass? (laughs) Are they figure it outers? Are they a team player? And when I realized this It actually, this is going to sound, this is going to sound horrible. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully this doesn't come across the wrong way. It actually saved me a lot of time. Because when I get on an interview with an applicant, I can tell in the first five minutes if this person is going to be a good cultural fit for my team. And I don't have to get clouded up by, well, this person has the skills and this person has the skills. I can tell if it's not going to be a good fit and I can part ways more easily because I know what the most important thing to me is about hiring this for this position. I'm going to end with that. I think if you didn't listen to the episode where I talk about onboarding my team, go listen to that one. Because if you're growing a team and you're like, well, this is great, but how do I actually get them like trained easily? I share some of my systems and processes inside that episode. But I hope that this episode inspired you a little bit to think about hiring in a different way and how you find people. Now, right now, it's a real challenge to find people, but when you do, I encourage you to go deeper in your interviews and not just with their specific skills. Of course there are some jobs that you need specific skills for. But you'll be so much happier with the team that you're growing if you find people who will be a good fit culturally, a good fit morally for you. Well, morally, like like similar values to you, right? And you can walk them out to their car or you can ask them some of those harder questions. So if you're hiring a team, best of luck. I hope that this was helpful and good luck. This episode is sponsored by the Facebook Ad Lab. If you have ever been frustrated with Facebook ads, like you're ready to throw in the towel, or you've been too afraid to even start, I want you to go to jackie-ellis.com slash free and sign up for my free training. I'm going to walk you through all things, Facebook ads, and we're going to make it so easy. I'm sharing with you kind of like a behind the scenes of the top three things that ad agencies don't even want you to know. Seriously, this is going to make your ads so much easier. I'll share with you why testing is the difference between poor ads and profitable ones. And if you don't even understand what the heck testing means, seriously, it took me forever to understand. (laughs) Don't worry. I'm going to keep it really simple. I'll share with you what actually drives up the cost of your ads and the number one thing that you can do to drastically reduce your ad cost. Then I'll share with you the four elements of a solid ad strategy because you do need a strategy and I call it the profitable ads formula. It's a really simple formula. And if you can't tell already, simple, is like my theme. So it's all going to be simple. Plus I'm sharing with you something that I very rarely share in a masterclass. And that is tips for writing killer ad copy. So you can start attracting the right people sooner and getting the ROI on your ads sooner. So make sure you go to Jackie free and grab your spot today. <gasps> Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. As always, you can find show notes, links, and more over at Jackie-Ellis.com. And if we haven't connected yet, make sure you come find me on Instagram at ellis and shoot me a DM. Let me know what episode you listened to and what you thought. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for being brave, being amazing, and just being you. I can't wait until next time.